uh, a few things that we want to talk about with this, remember, is what's the purpose of signs, right? Does anybody remember what the purpose yep, of signs are? All right, what did you get? There were two main things that the purpose of the sign, not all the questions. Yeah, you wrote all the questions down, but you didn't write Israel. the answers. Huh? For Israel. All right, we, we, know that there, we know that the Jews require a sign, right? We, right. we looked at uh, 1 Corinthians <clears throat> chapter one twenty two this morning, right? Yeah. For the Jews require a sign. Uh, not request one, right? So that was that was one of the things that, that we have with signs. But there's there's two main reasons that we said, what's the purpose of signs? Okay. It, it's for unbelievers, which is the first Corinthians fourteen that we're getting ready to read, right? But what is there there's two main things. <laughs> Obviously we don't know. Okay. Yeah, I mean, you all got some stuff. You just don't have the answers to my questions. You're, you're, you have answers to questions I've not asked yet. But uh, remember, there were two main purposes. One was to what? Validate the message. And the other one is to validate the messenger. Oh, man, I do have that written down. Okay. Oh, you have the wrong page. See? I had it written down. Oh. Just so everyone knows, I yeah. had that written down. Okay, so... If you didn't hear, Delilah does have them written down, and she wanted everybody out there in Facebook and YouTube world, uh, which I don't know who all's on YouTube. I was looking at the wrong page. Uh, Delilah was just looking at the wrong page. So, uh, folks on YouTube, I don't, I don't have that pulled up, and I don't with with my phone. What we're doing with it, I can't pull it up at the same time. So, if you are watching, we thank you. And the sign must be consistent with. All right, and they have to be consistent with what God's doing at that particular time, correct? Yeah. Okay, so there's some things that we've got uh, that really go along with the purpose of signs. Uh, remember, one is, it's what? Validate the message. All right, validate the message. All right, part of that is... Uh, What's, what's one of the things with that? It has to be what? Has to be consistent. With what God's doing. Alright? Yep. Okay. So, to validate a message, that message has to be consistent with what God's doing at that particular time. All right, the second thing was, is to what? Validate the messenger. Validate the messenger. All right, so see, you did have it. I did. <clears throat> had to write that wrong. Yeah. Yeah, we had to, <coughs> had to get that taken care of, right? All right, so I know we've, we've taken a look at some of these things, so I want to make sure that we get going. So 1 Corinthians chapter 14 Let's look at verse 22, and we'll, we'll use this as our starting off point. Um, Bruce read this morning, 1 Corinthians 1, 22. We know that the, the Jews require a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom, right? Um, but there's something different that we're doing today, right? So that verse should, should, in the back of our mind, make us think of some things. But notice, here in 1 Corinthians 14, 22, notice... Wherefore, tongues are for a sign, not to them that believe, but to them that believe not, 
But prophesying serveth not for them that believe not, but for them which believe. Father, we thank you for the opportunity we have to study your word. As we take a look at this important information, may we allow your word to be the final authority and allow um, our faith to rest strictly and wholly on your word. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> now, when we take a look at this, remember that tongues, and that's a specific type of, of sign, right? We know that, that, that tongues are a sign for unbelieving Israel, and we'll find that a little bit more as we go on. But notice here in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 22, we read it a moment ago, but verse 23 should kind of give us an idea, because one of the other things that we asked was, you know, is God using signs today? And if he isn't, why is he not? Okay. Is there something better than signs? Notice here in 1 Corinthians 1, for the Jews require a sign and the Greeks seek after wisdom. Notice in verse 23, but we preach Christ crucified. Now you stop and you think about that real quick. If Paul says the Jews require a sign and the Greeks seek after wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. What does that mean? Are we about signs? Are we about knowledge? Mm -hmm. that, that worldly knowledge? And the answer is neither of those are we, is what we're after. We're after Christ crucified, right? And we, we've talked about that. And so then he says, we preach Christ crucified. We don't preach signs and we don't preach man's wisdom that the Greeks seek after, but we preach what? Christ crucified. In fact, notice he says, unto the Jews a stumbling block, and unto the Greeks foolishness. Uh, but unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. What is it that, that the Christ crucified ends up being is what? It's the power of God and what? The wisdom of God. So then... What it was, what's that make you think of? Okay, so if the signs, there's some sort of power that's involved there and things like that. And that's, that's one of those things that we're going to be able to find out. But the other key thing there is that wisdom, right? We'll see that as we go along. Um, last week, I know we, I know we got into to some of this, but let's go back to Exodus real quick. <clears throat> just, as, just as a reminder, so we, we know where we are. Exodus chapter 4. <clears throat> you okay? Yeah. <clears throat> okay. Exodus chapter 4. Remember, Exodus chapter 3, we had the burning bush, right? Which is really the symbol of, of, of Israel, not the star of David. Um the real the real symbol for the nation of Israel is not that it's the burning bush. Um, well, we can talk about that some other time as well. But <clears throat> notice here, there's some things that's taking place. Right, God's telling Moses said, "I want you to go and tell the people," and Moses's response is, "They're not going to believe me." Right. Um, notice here, if he, uh, uh, Exodus chapter four. Verse 1, And Moses answered and said, But behold, they will not believe me, nor hearken unto my voice, for they will say, The Lord hath not appeared unto thee. And what God does is He gives them, gives him two signs, right? In fact, there ends up being three, but there's two signs. One is what? 
take your rod down, throw it down on the ground, it's going to turn into a serpent, and then you're going to take it up by the tail. Okay? What is it that we talked about that? What was that a sign of? Well, it was a sign of the fact that they are under the dominion of the serpent, but what God's showing is that God has dominion over that serpent. Okay? So what's going on is they're under the power of that serpent, and what God's going to show them is that he actually has, has dominion over the serpent. The second thing was what? The healing, right? We talked about that the last time. He says, stick your hand inside your bosom, and it bring, he brings it out, and it's what? It's got leprosy all over it. He puts it back in, pulls it back out, and it's just the, right, the rest of his skin. And the whole issue with that is to be able to prove that what? That the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob hath appeared unto thee. So it's a sign to them that you have actually spoken to the God of, uh, of, of their fathers. <clears throat> right? So you've got what? You've got power over the serpent. Second one is healing. And then notice, notice this at the very end. Um, verse 8. <clears throat> Exodus chapter 4, verse 8. And it shall come to pass, if they will not believe thee, neither hearken to the voice of the first sign, that they will believe the voice of the latter sign. And it shall come to pass, if they will, will not believe also these two signs, neither hearken unto thy voice, that thou shalt uh, take the water of the river and pour it upon the dry land, and the water which thou takest out of the river shall become blood upon the dry land. What was that last thing we talked about? They're, they were under Satan's captivity. God's going to show that he has dominion over that. Um, the fact that God's going to heal them from the inside out, right? And so then we talked about the heart is deceitfully wicked and all that stuff this morning, right? Well, what God's going to do is he's going to put a new heart in them one day. And that's part of that new covenant. You go over to Jeremiah 31, 31, and that's it, right? The third thing is what? Judgment's coming. And that's what this last one has to do with is, is you've got this water that's, that's on the river, put it on dry land, and it's going to turn to, to blood. Now, what's interesting, we talked about this before, is what happens is he goes up in front of uh, Pharaoh, and what's he do? Throws his rod down on the ground, and what happens to it? Turns into a snake. Well, what's Janus and Jambres do? The same thing. But what does his snake do to their two snakes? Swallows them up. And then he picks up his snake and it turns back into a staff. Again, showing uh, authority and dominion over that serpent and those people that worship that. Uh, the next thing with the blood, what happened to, what happened to the water turned into blood? What did Janus and Jambres do? They did the exact same thing. So they, it looked just like what God was doing through Moses. And so then that's why Egypt was like, well, whatever your God can do, our gods can do the same thing. And so then that's one of the reasons why you have all those, uh, all the, uh, the plagues is, is, you know, if you think about it, does God have to prove that he's the most powerful? No. no. I mean, you think about it. You step off into nothing and create heaven and earth. That's pretty powerful, right? By, by just by speaking. 
And that's pretty powerful. So you, that's, not the, that's, not, that's not the big thing. The other thing is what? How smart, the wisdom. And that's the other thing that we've got going on here. But notice, uh, go over real quick to I, uh, Isaiah 52. <clears throat> Isaiah 52. And uh, we'll take a look at a couple things here because this is, this is really interesting because <clears throat> I want us to make sure that we see this. Get, uh, get Isaiah 52 um, and get Genesis chapter 15. Isaiah 52 and... Genesis chapter 15. Now there's there's a lot of things that's going on here that I that that's really interesting uh, when we see this. Notice Isaiah 52 <clears throat> verse uh, verse 1. Start off in verse 1. Awake, awake, put on thy strength. O Zion, put on thy beautiful garments, O Jerusalem, the holy city. For henceforth there shall no more come into thee the uncircumcised and the unclean. Shake thyself from the dust, arise and sit down, O Jerusalem. Loose thyself from the bands of thy neck, O captive daughter of Zion. For thus saith the Lord, ye have sold yourselves for naught, and ye shall be redeemed without money. For thus saith the Lord God, My people went down aforetime into Egypt to sojourn there, and the Assyrian oppressed them without cause. Now, what is, what is that? You've got the Assyrian. That's, the, that's, that's, that's Satan. That's the Antichrist is what he's doing with there. And what did, they, what did, that, what did the Assyrian do? Oppress them without cause. Now I want you to think about this real quick. Go back to go back to Genesis chapter fifteen because this is this to me this is really interesting. We talked about this a little bit uh, uh, quite some time ago, but notice he said you're going to be redeemed without money. All right. So what do they need to know? They need to know that they have a redeemer. All right. So part of the things that they're going to have to have here is they have to have a plan. God, God set up a plan of redemption for them, right? Um, not only that, but He's promised that there will be a Redeemer, a Deliverer from this oppression. Notice here, this is really interesting. Genesis chapter 15, <clears throat> verse 12, right? So this is, this is uh, well, yeah, we'll just jump into verse 12. Notice, and when the sun was going down... A deep sleep fell upon Abram. Right now, this is something that God's going to do, and this is going to be a real, real interesting sign to be able to talk about what's what's going on here. Notice, a deep sleep fell upon Abram, and lo, an horror of great darkness fell upon him, and he said unto Abram, Know of a surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in a land that is not theirs, and shall serve them, and they shall afflict them four hundred years. And also that nation whom they shall serve will I judge, and afterward shall they come out with great substance, 
and thou shalt go to thy fathers in peace, thou shalt be buried in a good old age. But in the fourth generation they shall come hither again, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full. Now, you stop and you think about that real quick. <laughs> There's a lot that's going on there, right? You've got Abram, he falls into a deep sleep, a deep sleep, and notice, lo, and horror of great darkness fell upon him. And what God's doing is he's showing the nation of Israel, here's this darkness, here's what it's going to be, and he tells them what? And he said unto Abram, Know of a surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in the land that is not theirs, and they shall serve them and shall afflict them four hundred years. Now, what do we know that he's talking about there? Well, that's what we just read about over in Isaiah 52, right? The fact that they're going to be, they're, they're going to be um, held captive by the Assyrian. And what it, what's that end up being? What is, that, what is that 400 year period, what's that end up being? Who is that he's talking about? He's talking about Egypt, right? And he's saying, you're going to go off into this captivity for 400 years. And that nation, what's he say about that nation? He says, I want to judge them. And afterwards, you're going to come out with great substance. But notice in verse 16, he says what? But in the fourth generation, they shall come hither again, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full. Now, what's really interesting is when we're going through here, Moses' parents know about this. He would ha they would have to, right? So they understand what's going on. When, when, you think about, when you think about what's going on, if you look at Abram, you've got Abraham, right? Isaac, Jacob. As we go down through here, what do we find out a little bit later on? We get to Moses. Notice real quick. Go over to uh, go over to Genesis fifty and Exodus chapter two. Um, Exodus chapter two and Genesis chapter fifty. So you've got, you've got some stuff that's taking place there, and God's telling Abram, um, here's, here's the, he's, he's telling him future history, if you will. But notice this, um, Exodus chapter 2, Exodus chapter 2, verse 1. And there went a man of the house of Levi, and took a wife, a daughter of Levi, and the woman conceived and bare a son. And when she saw him, that he was a goodly child, she hid him three months. And when she could no longer hide him, she took him uh, for an ark of bulrushes and daubed it with slime and with pitch and put the child therein and laid it in the flags by the river bank, river's bank. And his sister stood afar off to wit what would be done to him. Now what happens? You get down to, to, to verse 10. Notice, well, verse 11. 
And it came to pass in those days when Moses was grown that he went out unto his brethren and looked on at their burdens, and he spied an Egyptian, smite in the Hebrew, one of his brethren. Who are we talking about here? We're talking about um, Moses, right? Well, go back to Genesis chapter 50. And we see that there's something that's going on. And, and, and Moses' parents knew about what was going on. Notice, <clears throat> Genesis chapter 50. Start here in verse 22. And Joseph dwelt in Egypt, he and his father's house, and Joseph lived in hundred and ten years. And Joseph saw Ephraim's children of the third generation. The children also of, of Maker, the son of Manasseh, were brought up uh, uh, upon Joseph's knees. And Joseph said unto his brethren, I die, and God will surely visit you and bring you out of this land unto the land which he sware to, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. And Joseph took an oath of the children of Israel, saying, God will surely visit you, and ye shall carry up my bones from hence. So Joseph died, being an hundred and ten years old, and they embalmed him, and he was put in a coffin in Egypt. Now, Shortly after that, what do we find out? We find out about Moses, right? But notice, what's he promised there in verse 24? And Joseph said unto his brethren, I die, and God will surely visit you and bring you out of this land unto the land which he sware to Abraham, Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Now what do we see here? We know that this fourth generation that we just read back over in, in Genesis chapter 15 there's a fourth generation where they're going to go back into some sort of, um, I just lost my thought, my train of thought. <clears throat> Captivity, thank you. All right, so they've got these 400 years, they're going to be there, and what's going to happen is you come to the end of it and Moses gets them out, right? And his, his parents know this. And they so they know and understand some of the things that's going on there. So we see that back here, Think about this. You go all the way back to Genesis 15, and it's prophesied that this is what's going to take place, right? There's 400 years of oppression. You're going to be held captive by, by the Assyrian. The Antichrist is really, it's a picture of the Antichrist, and it's, it's going to be dealing with some of that stuff. But what happens is, is Moses doesn't really realize what he, you know, the role that he's going to be able to play here. And so he's like, what do I need to do? And God says, I'm going to give you some signs. Because why? The Jews require a sign. The people that he was going out to, did they believe Moses? Were they, you know, you think about No, they didn't, right? I mean, what happens? We talked about it before. They get outside of Egypt. They get across the Red Sea. And they're there for a short period of time. And what happens? Um, can we go back? Can we go back? Moses goes up into the mountain, right? And he's up there for a little bit, a period of time, and he's getting the Ten Commandments. He comes down, and what's he see? Golden calf. The golden calf. And all the people are worshiping the golden calf, saying, this is the God that brought us out of, out of Egypt. <laughs> and what's he do? Throws down the Ten Commandments, like Bruce did in the Bible earlier. Um, and he goes back up in the mountain, right? And he gets a, another copy of it. And this copy, he actually has to write himself, right? But, but notice, there's some things that we've got going on here. So they're held under this satanic captivity, and God's going to bring them out of that. And he uses Moses to do so. 
And what's Moses do? He says, give them these signs and it's going to validate your message that you're going to give to them and you're going to, and you're going to be validated yourself because of these signs. Now, what was God doing at that particular time? He was bringing Egypt out or bringing Israel out of Egypt, right? Yeah, and that's, that's, I think that's why, I think that's why they took great lengths in chapter 2 there. That's what we read there. I think that's one of the reasons why they knew. They knew the fourth generation was going to be able to, to do some things, yeah. But that, that, that would have been something. So here's the thing. Moses' parents would have known Genesis 15, right? Yeah. I mean, every one of them should have known uh, that right there. But there's, there's two main things that we see there, casting out devils and healing. Now let's take a look at some other things real quick. Go to Exodus chapter 4. And it's really interesting when we start seeing these things <clears throat> that we, we all too often, I think, you know, sometimes we're a little too hard-headed to get the simple things. But notice this real quick. Um, Exodus chapter 4, verse... Start off here in verse 29. <clears throat> all right? So Exodus chapter 4, verse 29. Um, Moses goes back to Egypt. We get down here to verse 29. Notice what we have here. In fact, look at verse 28. It says, And Moses told Aaron all the words of the Lord who had sent him and all the signs which he had commanded him. So what's Moses telling Aaron? First of all, all the words. He told him all the words. He didn't leave one out, right? And he said, I'm going to tell you all the words, all the signs. He didn't leave one out. So he told him, here's the three signs that God gave me. Notice in verse 29, And Moses and Aaron went and gathered together all the elders of the children of Israel. And Aaron spake all the words which the Lord had spoken unto Moses. And what? Did the signs inside of the people. Now, what's interesting is, notice what takes place. Verse 31. And the people believe, praise the Lord, <laughs> right? You look at that and say, man, that's, that's fantastic. Israel, you're, you're going to get it right, okay? Notice, and when they had heard that the Lord had visited the children of Israel and that uh, he had looked upon their afflictions, then they bowed their heads and worshiped. Praise the Lord. But... Yeah, sometimes the butts aren't good. Yeah, notice here in chapter 5. And afterward, Moses and Aaron went in and told Pharaoh, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Let my people go, that they may hold a feast unto me in the wilderness. And Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord, that I should obey his voice to let Israel go? I know not the Lord, neither will I let Israel go. And they said, The God of the Hebrews hath met with us. Let us go, we pray thee, three days' journey into the desert, and sacrifice unto the Lord our God, lest he fall upon us with pestilence or with the sword. Now, <clears throat> what's interesting, drop down. Um, well, let's just keep going. 
Uh, and the king of Egypt said unto them, Wherefore do ye, Moses and Aaron, let the, pe- uh, let the people from their works get you unto your burdens? What's he saying? You're trying to get all these people out of work. You all need to get back. To, you all need to get back. Notice, and Pharaoh said, Behold, the people of the land now are many, and he make them rest from their burdens. And Pharaoh commanded the same day the taskmasters of the people and their officers, saying, Ye shall no more give the people straw to make brick, as heretofore. Let them go and gather straw for themselves. Now, stop and think for this a second. Moses and Aaron shows up, and they say, here's these, here's these signs, and what did, the, what did Israel do? They believed. Praise the Lord, right? But notice what happens here is Pharaoh says what? Don't give them the straw. Make them go gather the straw themselves, then come back and make the bricks. So what's he done? He's added to their burdens, right? Added to their work. Notice, eight verse 8, And the tale of the bricks which they did make heretofore, ye shall lay upon them, ye shall not diminish aught thereof, for they be idle. Therefore they cry, saying, Let us go and sacrifice to our God. Let their more work be laid upon the men, that they may labor therein, and let them not regard vain words. And the taskmasters of the people went out, and their officers, and they spake to the people, saying, Thus saith Pharaoh, I will not give you straw, Go ye, get you straw where ye can find it. Yet not, all, uh, yet not aught of your work shall be diminished. So what's he saying? You've got to go get the straw, but you've also got to keep up production of what you normally make. So we're going to add something to you, but you still have to be producing the same amount of stuff that you were making before. Notice. So, huh? Yeah. Verse 12, So the people were scattered abroad throughout all the land of Egypt to gather stubble instead of straw. And the taskmasters hasted them, saying, Fulfill your works, your daily tasks, as when there was straw. And the officers of the children of Israel, with Pharaoh, uh, which Pharaoh's taskmasters had set over them, were beaten and demanded, Wherefore have you not fulfilled your task in making brick both yesterday and the day as uh, heretofore? Then the officers of the children of Israel came and cried unto Pharaoh, saying, Wherefore dealest thou thus with thy servants? There is no straw given unto thy servants, and they say, uh, they say to us, Make brick, and behold, thy servants are beaten, but the fault is thine own people. But he said, You are idle, you are idle. Therefore ye say, Let us go and do sacrifice to the Lord. Go therefore now and work. For there shall no straw be given you, yet shall ye deliver the tale of bricks. Now, what's interesting, as you go down through here, and we see that this is going on, but notice what, what happens in verse 20, right? What, what's, the thing that you would, what, what's the thing that you would say, okay? Um, hey, Moses, Aaron, could you all go? <laughs> we can't keep up with this, right? We can't go do our stuff and, and do all this extra stuff. And by the way, they're beating us and all this. Notice in verse 20. And they met Moses and Aaron who stood in the way as they came forth from Pharaoh. And they said unto them, The Lord look upon you and judge because you have made us savor to be aboard in the eyes of Pharaoh and the eyes of his servants to put a sword in their hand to slay us. What are they saying? You're making our lives harder. 
Because of you, we're having to do extra things now. In fact, they're, they're, they're carrying swords. Notice in verse 22, And Moses returned unto the Lord and said, Lord, wherefore hast thou so evil entreated this people? Why is it thou that thou hast sent me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in thy name, he hath done evil to this people. Neither hast thou delivered thy people at all. What do they start doing? They're starting to not like they're starting to not like Moses and Aaron, and also they're questioning whether or not. And notice what what Moses does. He questions God. Why have you sent me? Why have, why are you making this stuff happen? Why are you why have you not delivered our people? You told me if I go and show them these these three signs, then they're going to believe, and they did. But what happens is things start getting a little bit tough, and what do they do? They start down. And what happens is, and notice we had the same thing here that we had in Genesis chapter 3. What's Moses do? It's your fault, God. Just like they did in Genesis chapter 3, right? Um, that we see there. Notice. <laughs> notice in verse 1, chapter 6. Then the Lord said unto Moses, Now shalt thou see. By the way, stop and think about this real quick. What's, he, what's God start off with in verse 1? Now, now thou sh, or shalt thou see what I will do to Pharaoh. Now thou shalt see. So think about what's going on. He said, show him the signs. Moses goes and shows the signs. Then he goes to Pharaoh, says, let my people go. Pharaoh gives them more work. The people come to, to Moses say, why are you doing this? You're making things a lot harder on us. And Moses goes to God and says, why have you not delivered your people? And God says, now shalt thou see. Notice, what I will do to Pharaoh. And it's, it's really interesting. Because what we start seeing here, notice what he says. Now shalt thou see what, what I will do. And, and and we'll we'll see this we'll see this as we go down through here and, and I just want you to notice notice some of these Let, let's let's just take a look at a, uh, some of these real quick um, look down look down in verse six it says wherefore saying to the children of Israel I am the Lord and I will bring you out notice from under the burdens of the Egyptians and I will rid you out of their bondage and I will redeem you. Uh, with a, with a stretched out arm and will and with great judgments, and I will take you for, for, to be for my people, and I will be to you a God, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God, which bringeth you out from under the burdens of Egypt, and I will bring you unto uh, unto the land concerning that which I did swear to give to Abraham to Isaac and to Jacob, and I will give it to you for an inheritance. I am the Lord. You notice there. He says, I will, I will, I will. You know, how many times does he say, I will there? There's seven of them. Well, do you know anybody else in Scripture that ever said, I will? Yeah. Satan did, right? And he, he, said it, he said it five times. But notice, God's saying, now you're going to see, Israel. What do they need? They need a sign. He says, now you're going to see. And notice some of the things that you get to see. You go down through there. Jump down to chapter 7, verse 1. Notice. And the Lord said unto Moses, See, I have made thee a god to Pharaoh, 
and Aaron thy brother shall be thy prophet. Thou shalt speak all that I command thee, and Aaron thy brother shall speak unto Pharaoh, that he send the children of Israel out of his land. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart and multiply multiply my, what? Signs and my wonders in the land of Egypt. And what he he says is what? You're getting ready to start seeing some things. Notice, he said that Moses was made a god to Pharaoh and Aaron shall be thy prophet. Right? Notice in verse 4. But Pharaoh shall not hearken unto you. He's telling him right up front. Mm -hmm. That I may lay my hand upon Egypt and bring forth mine armies and my people, the children of Israel, out of the land of Egypt by my great judgments. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I stretch forth mine hand upon Egypt and bring out the children of Israel from among them. Now, think about what's going on. What's, what's, what's Moses' message? God's going to deliver you. Is that consistent with what God's doing at that particular time? Yes. Yes. And so then he's going to validate Moses and his, and his, as him being the messenger as we go down through there. Notice, let's, let's just take a look at some of these things real quick. Notice in chapter 7, verse 17. <clears throat> Thus saith the Lord, In this thou shalt know that I am the Lord. Behold, I will smite with the rod that is in mine hand upon the waters which are in the river, and they shall be turned to blood. All right? Drop over to chapter 8, verse 19. And we, 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 we get to see these things all the way through here. But notice, <clears throat> chapter 8, verse 19. Then the magician said unto Pharaoh, This is the finger of God, and Pharaoh's heart was hardened, and he hardened not unto them, hearkened not unto them as the Lord had said. What did he tell them? He's not going to. Drop down to verse 22. And I will sever it in that day, the land of Goshen, in which my people dwell, that no swarms of flies shall be there to the end thou mayest know that I am the Lord in the midst of the earth. And I will put a division between my people and thy people. Tomorrow shall this sign be. Drop over to chapter 9, verse 4. And the Lord shall sever between the cattle of Israel and the cattle of Egypt, and there shall nothing die of all that is the children of Israel. So what's happening to uh, the cattle for e- Egypt? They die. So what is he doing? He's multiplying these, these signs. Uh, verse 14, uh, for, the, for I will at this time send all my plagues upon thy heart, upon thine heart, and upon thy servants, and upon thy people, and thou, that thou mayest know that there is none like me in all the earth. Um, <clears throat> just Verse 29, And Moses said unto him, As soon as I am gone out of the city, I will spread abroad my hands unto the Lord, and the thunder shall cease, neither shall there be any more hell, that thou mayest know how the earth is the Lord's. Um, chapter 10. <clears throat> chapter 10, verse 2. There, there's some things that I want to point this out in just a second, but there's some things that I want us to be able to see uh, as we go through here. Verse 2, chapter 10, verse 2. And that thou mayest tell all 
uh, tell in the ears of thy son and thy son's son what things I have wrought in Egypt and my signs which I have done among them that ye may know that I am the Lord. So there's three things that we see that these test that these signs show us. One is I am the Lord. I am Jehovah God. All right. The next thing is what the earth belongs to Him. And the third thing is Israel is my people. And so then, as we take a look at this, and you you, you notice verse uh, verse three. And Moses and Aaron came unto Pharaoh and said unto him, Thus saith the Lord God of the Hebrews, How long wilt thou refuse to humble thyself before me? Let my people go, that they may serve me. Else, if thou refuse to let my people go, behold, tomorrow will I bring the locust into, the, into thy coast. Uh, and you go down through here, and you look at all these plagues. <clears throat> and jump over to chapter 12. <clears throat> Because this is the real point, and we talked about it before. Does God have to do these things to show His power? And the answer is no. Um, <clears throat> he created. I mean, He created everything, right? But notice what's going on. Chapter twelve, verse twelve. Here, here's the real issue that 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 we need to be able to see. All these signs are for what? Well, here it's I'm the Lord. I, the earth is mine and Israel is my people, right? So that's what these signs are all dealing with. And notice the culminating thing here is notice in verse 12, for I will pass through the land of Egypt this night and will smite all the firstborn of the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against, notice, all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. Why? I am the Lord. Now you go back through there and on those verses that, that we went through in chapter 7 all the way up through chapter 10, we see those things over and over again. I am the Lord, the earth is mine, and Israel is, are, my, are, are my people. And so that's what, those, that's what those plagues are really against. And it's against what? All the gods of Egypt. I will execute judgment. That just, is it showing he's powerful? No, but it's showing his what? His judgment. His righteousness is really what's going on. And so then what happens is God made manifest the darkness that Egypt was under. And He demonstrated His authority over all the earth and Israel and was showing the nation of Israel the darkness that we read about back in Genesis chapter 15. Right? That... that um, make sure I get the, the phrasing right. <clears throat> The horror of great darkness, was that right? Yeah. An, an horror of great darkness fell upon him, and he was telling them, you're going to go into captivity for 400 years. And this is the darkness that you're under. And then that fourth generation shall, shall come hither again. That fourth generation shows up, and it's Moses. And Moses delivers them out. And so that was a sign to Israel that you're my people and it's a, a sign to well everybody really that he is the Lord and that the earth belongs to him that it's his and so then when we think about what's going on 
the whole issue with in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth, right? What God is showing is he has the ultimate power and the authority and judgment in the earth. <clears throat> now, when you take a look back and understand Egypt is, is a... It's a picture of the world, right? And that world system we talked about in that first, that first session... When we think about that and make that parallel to what we have today is death. We talked about the last time. Death is that darkness, right? And so that's one of those things we got to think about. So there is judgment along with that darkness, which we talked about a long, long time ago back in the day too. All right. Um, So that's, wow. 